0: Tonight, live on pay-per-view, Rob Van Dam's gonna introduce the most devastating, the most spectacular new move in the history of pro wrestling, Daddy. Scotty Anton, I've got no respect for you anymore. Live on pay-per-view, I've got no reason to hold back. After I hit you with the Van Daminator. After I hit you with the five-star frog splash, I'm gonna do what only one man can do, and you get to meet the Van Terminator. The Van Terminator? What's that all about, Van Damme? I can't wait to see it myself, baby. Fonzie, all I'm doing is earning the title of being the whole f-ing show. This is the Pro Wrestling Spotlight. Presented by Hami Media and the Pro Wrestling Reflection, where we discuss the very best of the best in pro wrestling history. And what's it gonna do when all the is the largest arms in the world? Revile on you.
1: The two soundest wrestlers in the World Wrestling Federation, maybe in the history of the World Wrestling Federation, are right here, right now. Mr. Perfect and the exclusive of execution,
0: the Hitman. WrestleMania weekend isn't complete without the heartbreak kid, and he is on his way. He put hard times on Dusty Rhodes and his family. They think they got the answers, I change the question. You will rest in peace. Get used to it in Ric Flair, who you're looking at, the man, who man! What is going on there, Magnificent Seven? Elite Eight, Naughty Nine, Terrific Ten, Essential Eleven. I am giddy, Reflection Ice. You know why I'm giddy? I don't know, I don't know. That you know how giddy i am for this particular episode of the pwr podcast here at the pwr so necklace at powerbeam.com it's like christmas for the magnanimous one it's like christmas for the studious one it's like christmas for the glorious one see i can't even say it. I'm, I'm i got a high-pitched voice here i can't do my intro here you know why because the professor Chabalva cruz the only objective man in the iwc ywc the only objective man in this political punditry the only obje- objective man in this pod beam platforms is giddy because i'm going to talk about a man who's one of the greatest wrestlers to come out of e- ecw extreme championship wrestling he is on the mount rushmore's of ecw I am so giddy. I'm giddy, I'm giddy, I'm giddy. Because this is the PWR Wrestling Spotlight. And we're going to do it on Mr. Monday Night. Mr. Pay-Per-View. The whole fucking show. R.B.D. Rob Van Dammen, before we get into this, before I bust a nut here, let me introduce you to my cohort in crime, my partner in crime, my brother at arms. He is Mr. Dum Dum Duo. He is the iron stomach one. This man eats chips. He eats fish. He eats cold pizzas. He eats steak raw. He eats blood out of the out of a pig's ass. Doesn't matter. He'll do it for the dum-dum duo fans. He is Mr. Wonderful. He is Tommy Strong. He's the liberal conservative. The, Tommy wonder how are you doing, my friend? I'm giddy, man.
1: I'm giddy. You Dwear are giddy. Point. We're talking about the, the first man to ever give you a boner. We are talking about who I think, and I think we can argue this as we go along, but, you know, I, I, I think we would have to pick up Mount Rushmore of ECW because it's hard to say one guy. But if you had to pick one guy for ECW, I think it's Robbie. And not oh, yeah. because ECW and RVD, but I think people would say Taz. I think people would say Sabu. And there's someone I would also say is Shane Douglas, because he started it when he dumped that belt and made the Eastern Championship the Extreme Championship. However... I would, I would never deny those people. But Right.
0: In, in terms of the top five. More,
1: but I would say RVD is the guy. And Paul Heyman, obviously, would be. But I I mean, wrestler wise But uh, <laughs> I got one bone to pick with you. What is that? You used to say the most objective guy. Now you're saying you're the only one. I'm
2: objective, damn it. No, I'm only. I'm the
1: only one. All right. That's why I had a problem when you called me the conservative liberal and not the liberal conservative. Because I use this when I react to things, not my bleeding heart like an actual liberal does because their feelings are hurt. And that's why they respond to stuff. I use logic and reason, but I don't mind hurting people's feelings while I do it. But it's still objective. Mm, yeah, yeah it,
2: it goes objective both ways, but there is certain agendas. You have heard that about you, objective. sliding in your DMs and all that both-way stuff, but no, 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 that's no. another podcast. My objectivity and your objectivity is like night and day. I'm the, the angels, you're the demons. I am heaven, you're a hell in objectivity. I'm the man with no agenda. I can use my
0: logics. I, my what's hormones. my agenda? What's mine?
2: That's another show.
0: Agenda. That's another show for another day, but anyway... We are here for the PWR Pro Wrestling Spotlight. We are here to talk about Rob Van Dam. We are here to talk about a fellow Michiganite. This man was born uh, December
2: 13th, 19, no, I'm sorry, December 18th, 1970 in Battle Creek, Michigan. He's always been dubbed in his wrestling career from Battle Creek, Michigan. TW, where is Battle Creek, Michigan? It sounds like a a suburb of uh, Wisconsin. You're, you're, hey, you got to bypass Chicago to get
1: there, but it's over by Grand Rapids, Michigan. Battle Creek is where they make Kellogg cereal.
0: They're great.
1: Tony the Tiger, Battle Creek. I got them in here somewhere. I, I moved them. But so, ba- Battle Creek is the western side of the state. Probably a good two and a half, three hour drive from Warren, uh, which is the uh, largest city. Oh, no, Warren's the third largest city of Michigan. You have Detroit, Lansing, mm-hmm. Warren. But Battle Creek's a small town. Um, the, the Grand Rapids Griffins play for the Detroit Red Wings. That's their minor league team. They used to be the Adirondack K-Wings up in uh, Adirondack, New York, in case you didn't know that. Uh, mm. But the Grand Rapids is probably, it's probably fourth or fifth largest city and Battle Creek is just outside of that.
2: Oh, okay. Closer
1: well, to probably, like people there in, in Grand Rapids, some of them are Green Bay Packers fans. Some of them are Chicago Bears fans because mm-hmm. you're almost closer to soldier field than you are Ford field it's 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 close it's yeah i think you're about a two-hour ride from chicago three hour, three-hour ride from detroit
2: if you're in battle creek oh wow yeah yeah you're closer Jackson, to chicago Michigan. wow you're closer it, it, it's to close chicago to being than... in
1: the middle but i would say mm-hmm. it's probably it might be a little bit east of grand rapids but grand rapids you're not your your next thing would be passing through indiana to
2: enter illinois Oh wow. That that sounds like a, a time zone or a vortex if you enter <laughs> Battle Creek, Mr. Gen. But ne- neither here nor there, are Reflection Nights. I'm so giddy about this. What inspired me, Reflection Nights in the Magnificent 7 Elite 899, was it's of course the, Well, it, there was a boner, but it was not for Rob Van Dam. It was for another oh, uh, video. But that? anyway, again. No, my goodness. <laughs> it, it is female oriented, but anyway, neither here nor there. But WWE nice. Network or the or the Peacock if you will, did something called WWE icons. And, of course, they talked about Rob Van Dam. And we're not going to get into the whole spiel of his kiddom. We're not going to go to the high school stuff. Of course, we know, T.W., that this man, you know, honed a craft in the martial arts, judo, uh, mixed martial arts, and all that. Before we even talk about his wrestling career here, T.W., you know, as a kid, well, of course, the fun fact, you already know this fun fact. Did you know that Rob Van Tam was a plant in the WWF show and he kissed the foot of the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase, and he got paid one hundred dollars when he went to a Michigan. I actually hospital.
1: just found that out when all that stuff with L.A. Night and and uh, Cameron Grimes was going on. People mm-hmm. either on the PW Hustle page or someone, maybe it was you. Posted it on on Facebook, and I was like, "Wow, I didn't know that. Now I do. So I do know that at the time that you're asking me this question, I did not know that up until a couple of weeks
2: back." Wow, it took you that long? My goodness, I thought you was a wrestling fan. This is just your fellow Michigan, right here. This is this is something special. Why would I know what little punk ass
1: kid kissed Dibiase's foot in '88 and went on to become RV? Wait a minute, he kissed 87. Foot in '87. 80- Eighty-seven. So he yes. he started wrestling four years later. How old was he when he
2: kissed his foot? He must have been seventeen. Fourteen. He must oh, yeah. have been. He, oh yeah, he was born in seventy. I was born in seventy-three. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Sixteen and seventeen, give her give her take here. But TW, I, probably being at that house show in Michigan. Um, maybe it was Detroit, Michigan. Being in front of thousands of fans, and you know, he embarrassed himself, but he got paid a hundred dollars. He probably got paid more than Hammond Eggers. He got paid more than the ring crew, TW. He got $100 to kiss the foot of the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase. I guess, devil's advocate here, I would do it. If you're going to pay me a million, um, not a million, uh, $100, and I'm 17 years old and probably I get 10 bucks a week, that $100 could go a long, long way. What would TW at 17 do at the house show if he was picked out by Virgil? Oh, uh, that was a house show? Yes. I thought it was on Superstars, and I definitely wouldn't know. What the hell would I know about a house show? Well, it was it was a vi- it was tape for your Coliseum Home Video. There was a uh, there was a reason because they were doing vignettes for the Million Dollar Man, Teddy Biasi, and his push in su- in WWF Superstars and Wrestling Challenge per se. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha.
1: I um
2: would absolutely take the hundred bucks. I would if
1: he was. I don't think he would have been an extra at seventeen. But if he was, they were paying. I made two hundred fifty bucks to work for them. So if I'm mm. kissing a foot, I want at least the two fifty. I don't know. About
2: <laughs> well, you know, if uh, if as a st-
1: kid, if it's if it's legit live and spontaneous, and he just happened to be the kid, hundred bucks is hundred
2: bucks. That means mm-hmm. you went for free that night, but because you know he probably went with his buddies at seventeen. Mm-hmm. Probably did so you know you got a hundred dollars more at sixteen or seventeen years old but you know what let's get into some of those early wrestling uh happenings of mr monday night mr pay-per-view the whole F M show rob van dam you got to start somewhere tw and of course for rob van dam he started in the indies he started like you know he wrestled around the michigan area the chicago area the the wisconsin area and all that point in the midwest between you know doing all those indie shows but people if you didn't know this Besides watching the WWE icons, which I suggest you should do, Reflection ice, But we know that while he's honing his wrestling craft, he still – he incorporates, uh, you know, the martial arts. So his early wrestling gear, TW, was a, res- uh, was a karate gi. So he right. was wrestling as the, the karate man. So his uh, his wrestling names were, you know, not that impressive – one wrestling name he went under was Matt Burns. I don't know why. This doesn't jump. <laughs> but Man. but in places like USWA, and I'll talk about WCW in a second, he picked Rob Van Dam, and then he also picked Robbie V. So we saw the Rob Van Dam part in the Indies TW because there's a reason. He does look like Jean-Claude Van Dam. So he is taking advantage Of bloodsport, he's taking advantage of Time Cop. He's taking advantage of Lionheart. All those. Did you just say Time Cock? No, Time Cop. Oh, I thought you said Cock. I thought you said clean, clean out your Bluetooth. Clean out your Bluetooth, please. My goodness, this is a family show here, and you talk about Cock. What is wrong with you? But anyway, neither here nor there. But T.W. This has to be Rob Van Dam's or Robert Sikowski, which is his real government name. T.W. This was. That mint name, this is his idea. You could tell this is his idea. He is not, he would be st- either it was his idea or maybe a friend of his saying, You look like Jean Claude Van Damme, you should be called Rob Van Damme and take advantage of that. TW, that is a side note. Was cool. mm-hmm. Are you familiar with Jake something? Uh, in Impact Wrestling, yes, I've heard of him. Yes, those. okay. Mm-hmm.
1: When I made my comeback in January of 2010, I wrestled for a guy that I used to wrestle all the time. I wrestled three months in a row. Jake something was a brand new, fresh-faced kid. Jacob Doyle from Midland, Michigan, or Saginaw up there somewhere, which is up here, by the way. And Mm -hmm. I got to hand pick who I wrestled. And he looks, he does not now. When you look at him now, he looks like a Godwin. But when when he was this white meat, baby-faced kid when I met him in 2010, he looked like a Von Erich. So when I wrestled him, he didn't have a name yet. I called him Jacob von Erich, and he wrestled me in one of his first matches as Jacob von Erich. And then he oh. was Jake something. Oh, well, actually, Jake something. He was he had different names, and him and his partner were just uh, Jacob and Ronnie, where they, they were called the painkillers, and they had this cool mask like sad face mass or whatever they were a tag team mm-hmm. they were pretty damn good and then his partner retired didn't want to do it no more he broke his hip doing an elbow drop off the ladder to the floor whatever and then he just he just I remember because I'd see him all the time and he's like call myself Jake something mm-hmm. I'm like what's that mean he goes well everyone's always like that jake guy that jake guy no one knows what my last name is cuz I change it all the time so I'm like jake something jake something and people gave him shit for it like that's stupid and it stuck mm-hmm. and he was i think uh Cody Deaner, wasn't he a cousin Jake or something yeah. at first? Mm-hmm. But now he's Jake something. But a mm-hmm. real good dude, loves animals, was living with Ruby Riott, in case you did not know, they are no longer together. Um, but I just thought it would tie into you talking about Rob Van Dam. And I think Rob Van Dam, I saw him do jobs on WCW Saturday night as Robbie
2: V. He wasn't mm-hmm. Rob Van Dam. He was just Robbie V. Right. So I w- I'm going to talk about that in just one second because, of course, he got his first American big break in WCW, World Championship Wrestling, in 1992. And like you said, well, you know, he wanted to be Rob Van Dam, but he got uh, nixed on that idea by uh, the executive vice president of that uh, particular time in WCW, Cowboy Bill Watts. He didn't think... He didn't want Rob Van Dam as a name, so he had to cut it to Robbie V. So because of that uh, incident, you could say, or the politics he had to deal with with Bill Watts at wcw he did not have that full-time uh, contract, or you could say the full-time working schedule working in WCW. Of course, he did his WCW Saturday night stuff, his commitments there, the WCW main event on Sundays. You see Robbie V doing certain jobs here and there. But he split his time between America and he, his most uh, early 90s success TW was in all Japan wrestling as Rob Van Dam. So, you know, he wanted to make sure he was actually, you know, come to think of it, you know, people don't give Rob Van Dam that credit where credit is due for being one of those good gaijins. I mean, he was respectable, but, you know. We always talk about Stan Hansen. We talk about Bruiser Brody. We talk about Dr. Dusty Williams, uh, Terry Bam Bam Gordy, and you know, Chris Benoit was a guy was a guy in there too in the early '90s. So you know, Rob, I guess Rob Van Dam didn't have the notoriety which we can at because he's called Robbie V. But you know, you got to give him the him the devil is due with Rob, Rob Van Dam. He knew to make money in Japan. He knew he would be something credible. In japan what's you TW? not just incredible but credible i would say
1: <laughs> you just rattled off a bunch of people hogan i don't know if he was a gaijin but hogan would be Man, they, on they're on all, they're, i'm but talking they're about all well-known yeah right. well-known monsters so i think benoit was there before rvd before Probably Jericho, is. for sure mm-hmm. Um, but guys like benoit jericho and rvd are the reason guys like and you're gonna be maybe i'm gonna pop you when i say this name are the reasons guys like jay white adam cole kenny Mm -hmm. omega and and uh the young bucks can go over there because back then if you were little you got your ass beat in japan like there wasn't no you weren't in no bullet club main event and you were pummeled and it was probably by stan hansen or bruiser brody or someone who just came out and mopped you up because even the smaller japanese guys got destroyed by those guys right Mm -hmm. because They're, let's be honest. There's not big, giant Japanese dudes the size of Stan Hansen and whatever. And if they are, they're giant Baba or Antonio Inoki, who aren't really muscle guys. They're just judging, bigger.
2: Judging by Rob Van Dam's size and weight, he probably would have been the light heavy in the light heavyweight right. division with that. Liger. So yeah, Liger. like Liger. So you know, yeah. Liger would probably punk RVD back then, but he would make it. Right would have been a good match. Yeah, it would have been a good match, a competitive match. And RVD would be considered a great gaijin hand in uh, All Japan Pro Wrestling. But let's talk about this. I'm ready, Reflection I'm ready. Now we get into the moment that I love about this, where a, a visionary, it, Paul Heyman is a visionary, the man that saved professional wrestling. And I, I'll keep saying this on this Airwaves on this Pi Beam Stream TW till the day I die. Paul Heyman saved wrestling in the mid-90s with his incarnation of Extreme Championship Wrestling ECW. So you know, Paul Heyman did not have a budget, but he had he had a wealth of knowledge and he was a good scout for potential. And of course, he had he was t- trading tapes with a lot of people in Japan, and he saw RVD and he brought him to Philadelphia for Extreme Championship Wrestling in 1996. So, you know, ECW is really, I guess in my opinion, TW, and I I guess this is not the logic coming from the heart. This is the logic coming from the heart. So it's probably all emotion. But ECW fans are the hardest fans to, like, get over with. You know, you could have all the wealth of potential. You could have all the, the pedigrees that he had in Japan, but you got to make it in the philadel in the Philadelphia area. You got to make it in ECW arena. So people looked at RVD, and he did not wear the geese initially. He, you know, he wore the singlets. He looked like, you know, he looked like an Olympics uh, wrestler, but he still incorporated his uh, martial art stuff. So people were a little uh, curious about him. You know, he could still pop a move here and there. Standoffish. They were stand. Yeah, you you could say that. They were a little standoffish. They didn't want to give a a lot of investment because you know what? Because it's '96 and you know the Monday Night Wars is happening. So you don't know how long that RVD was going to be there. This is honest. This is honest to God's truth. You saw potential there, and probably you thought. And this is me watching uh, ECW '96. TW. Uh, this guy's going to be there for three months, and then I'm going to see him on Nitro. Or, Well, first all, everybody's going to say, he, everybody's going to Nitro for some right. strange. Every bishop is <laughs> signing everybody. A-A-W. So that's it. Right. Yeah, so that was the AEW back then. But anyway, neither here nor there. But he got his first uh, reputation, if you will, TW, by having a feud with a fellow Michigan man, a man he's trained with because he trained with the Sheik, and that is the Suicidal homicidal, genocidal, Sabu, so he ran a a great program against Sabu, so while he was standing, while people were standoffish, they noticed one thing about RBD, his cavalier approach, he was very, you know, his swag, he he looked like he was stoned, but he was cool, he was calm, he was collected. Because he was (laughs) stoned. Yes. He was cool, comic collector. He was very stoned. He, you know, he had bloodshot eyes, but he was still he could still go in that ring. But one thing he did against Sabu, time in and time out, when Sabu went for the hand, he did not shake the hand, TW, and he slapped him in the face. This ultimate sign of disrespect. But in doing that ultimate sign of disrespect, people started noticing him, TW. And one of the matches we'll talk about here, Reflection Nights here at the pro-wrestling spotlight of RVD, I want TW to see the highlights of one of these matter-of-respect matches that RVD and Sabu had. And one of them was actually in 1996, at the late tail end of 96 into 97, it was a stretcher match, TW. What did you think about this? The, again, remember, he's starting to build a cred. He's starting to build that street cred. He's not there fully yet, you can, but you can see the uh, the athletic prowess of RVD. You could see, you know, a diamond in the rough. He just needed to hone in that char- the charisma, the the gimmick, whatever it say you. What say you?
1: I watch this guy, okay. and I think most people, I'm not the first one to say this. I think most He does not have skeleton. He bends in ways you should not bend, gets up. So when he broke his leg, I'm like, impossible. He has no bone. <laughs> but this match, the two of them, takes so many I mean, the guy can jump off anything right like uh-huh. the guardrail he does it with the rhino match he jump off the what I mean I don't mean climbing up on something and jumping off I mean he leaps onto it and then does whatever he does and and this the particular link you sent me was mostly highlights and almost every spot was them doing something to each other on that damn stretcher and the stretcher didn't give so dude that should hurt. Mm-hmm. When Sabu crossed over the fan's barrier and does the leg drop off of it onto RBD, that thing does not give. That means that hurt. And then he mm-hmm. falls off of him onto the floor. But then he just takes – he's like the energizer bunny. He takes a licking and keeps on tic- – or is that Timex? But he just keeps going and going and going. And mm-hmm. it's insane. In another match we talk about later, it's even more. So it's funny because you say 96, and I'm like, wait a minute. I thought ECW was like 93, 94, 95. They were, you know, I didn't know, I Armin. Mean, didn't get there until 96.
2: No, he, he was, at, you know, again, WCW, and then he did a lot of stuff in All Japan Pro Wrestling, right. so he didn't, did you not, know.
1: Did not know that. That's, that's insane, because to me, he's still the face. You know what? I forgot a guy, Tommy Dreamer, someone I have met many times. He's also he, up there, but. He's nah, the heart he's not, of, EC, he's the yeah, heart of ECW. He's, you you ain't taking RVD off of that. You might take Shane Douglas off of it and put mm-hmm. uh, Tommy in his place, but you ain't taking off. I would take Taz off of there myself, but, um, but yeah, RVD. I did not know. So you're telling me that this match I'm watching because it, it was it a house show or was that
2: a pay-per-view? No, all their stuff was at the EC Most uh, ninety nah, percent of their stuff a, was at the, the match ECW with rhino arena. Was in looking like some damn airport hangar or something. But no, that's, well, that's two thousand. But we'll get to that in a, in a couple of minutes. But that, but oh, okay. the first but one was the it, ECW but, arena.
1: Okay, so it was. It was just a. It was fan cam or something. It was weird. It wasn't the same, you know, mm-hmm. presentation that I'm used to. But it was also clipped up. So I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's why it just looked different to me. But all I thought was, I'm going to say something. You said something about. Uh, Paulie a little bit back and you're right. And I, I told you, I started wrestling in 94. I wanted nothing to do with ECW. I wanted no part of it. Um, in hindsight, when I met Paulie dangerously, I was still green. I was in still year one. Uh, me versus Rico was the match I had most of the time uh, at that point. And then mm-hmm. a year later when I became Los Rudos, I am absolutely certain if Paulie dangerously would have been on one of the shows with Los Rudos, Los Rudos would have been on ECW. There's no doubt in my mind. I might have been stupid and turned it down because Mm -hmm. I was asked about ECW all the time back then, but I would have been stupid to turn it down. But after watching the Rhino match, after watching this match with Sabu, after watching the match with um, uh, just many matches with him, uh, one of the things that I thought was stupid about ECW was the the leniency. Like, they didn't disqualify people because if someone brought a chair in, they brought a chair in. And, And as I watched that match mostly with rhino but also this match because this match was a gimmick match so there's not going to be a disqualification anyway um i thought you know what it's kind of ingenious right because at the time the thing that's really putting the ass whooping on wrestling especially before the monday night wars was usc because mm-hmm. people were beating the shit out of each other for real so people were like well fuck i'm gonna watch this i, I want to watch these powder puss with the fucking stomps of the foot yet you watch ecw and just I said this a million times. I always, I like to toot my own horn. Travis caused me the potato for a reason. When I, when you wrestled me, no matter where it was, in front of ten people or a thousand people, I hit you for real, and I expected you to hit me for real back because I wanted at least five people leaving there thinking this shit. You sure it's fake? As I wanted them to think it was real, and so by incorporating the chairs and the stretchers and the ladders and all that stuff, no matter how fake people think it is. You cannot watch that and say to yourself, oh, that didn't hurt, that didn't hurt. And most of mm-hmm. these idiots would go try it at home and go, holy shit, that does hurt, right? So, which is dangerous on one hand, but yeah, there's a reason you have to tell
2: people don't try this at home. ECW, again, with what you're talking about, ECW was lenient with the, there was hardly any disqualifications. Right, like, I can right. count on my hand disqualifications, and they, and actually those five disqualifications in ECW history didn't even make sense when they did it when you saw all this shit. But like you right. said, RVD used the ring ropes to elevate, you know, and to you know beat the shit out Catapult. of you there. Yeah, he yeah. catapulted himself. He catapulted off the the apron. He catapulted off the uh, the guardrails. He used everything in his arsenal to show his athletic prowess, his aerial prowess. And the one thing about this, not only this match per se, but his style, is he actually I don't want to call it revolutionized. But he upped the ante for people who had the aerial assaults. You know, while people saw the cruiserweights, the luchadors from uh, Mexico on Monday Night Nitro, and saw the, the the hyperactive stuff, RVD was actually bigger than those cruiserweights per se. If you look at this match, he's he is bigger in America than those luchadors. He has the presence. He actually upped the ante, like. You know, it was RVD, and then some people say, Mike Awesome, you know, big dudes or bigger dudes doing athletic shit. What say you, TW, about that? I think he revolutionized, you know, people that were bigger than cruiserweights to actually incorporate the aerial assaults. Uh, I have to disagree with you
1: one fucking thousand percent, because I'm going to show you the guy that did that, okay? And there's no doubt in my mind that RVD was influenced by this
2: guy, who was the guy that did that but and he's kind of bigger than him he's bigger than him i'm not talking about he's small. bigger
1: than Shawn michaels he's a little get bigger out of your mind
2: this is the heart man this is the heart talking oh, this is boy. the heart i talking. know and that's my okay. boy but okay, okay.
1: Bret hart is rvd no i Brett get hart you basic
0: i get you RBD i'm not i'm not Sean
1: discounting
0: right i'm not now. discounting I, no,
1: I understand what they're doing saying, but i will say this as you were saying that i i immediately go to mike awesome because mike awesome is fucking Sid Vicious doing it, right? Mike mm-hmm. Awesome is Hulk Hogan doing it. So RBD is still a little or a little a smaller guy, but I would say yes, perfect bumped. Sean bumped, but also high-fied. Brett bumped and technical wrestled. So RBD would be, I would say he did more shit than Shawn Michaels as mm-hmm. far as variety. But right. Sean Michaels is the guy who made six foot tall dudes like think about it, six foot tall at a bar is one of the biggest guys in the bar. So I understand what you're saying. Most dudes are five seven, five eight, five nine. So a guy six foot, also two hundred something pounds on top of that, not just mm-hmm. a fucking beanpole at 180 and six yeah. foot. So I that's understand what you're where I'm saying, going
3: with it. Yeah, that's but I still where I'm
1: going think I think RBD probably saw Shawn Michaels because Shawn Michaels did that shit as a rocker. And I think he was bigger as a rocker than he was when he became the boy
2: toy because he went oh, yeah. off the gas. I'm not he discounting just, Michaels in the early 90s and what he and Bret Hart did. But, the, you know, again, from that RVD up the ante of what you can do and yeah, the, and uh, the possibilities. He upon it. He I thought you said he it. opened the door for it. I'm no. saying he's
1: not the first guy. He no, no, he's have, not the first. He f- might have taken not. the ball and elevated yeah. it for he sure. He elevated yeah. Sean, to me, is the guy who was the big guy, bigger guy, smaller compared to Hogan, obviously, well, but beef. bigger
2: guy, meaning six-foot guy doing moonsaults. Before not... there was a, there was Shawn Michaels doing that, there was Ricky Steamboat, so we could go even farther than Rick that. Ricky Steamboat too. didn't
1: do no damn moonsaults. Stop it. Just stop it right now. And that's my fucking guy, Ricky Steamboat. He did high cross bodies and karate chops off the top rope. Well, that, and that,
2: what salt. about Muda? Well, Muda. Muda did. Muda's
1: after Michaels. No, Muda is before.
2: Yes, be... he is. Michaels didn't Michael do the moonsault 86. until he saw Muda until
1: Muda did Michaels it. Michaels did moonsaults in the AWA right. by running up the rope and doing it. Michaels
2: is it's ahead of his flip. time. That's a, that's Just a flip. Ahead. Michaels that's is a flip. ahead of
1: his damn time. That's a flip. RB, that's... RBD in Japan is ahead of his time. They, they can both coexist. But Michaels is the guy who's six foot tall and doing shit that dudes that are 5'8 are doing. He's
2: doing the great ganja shit. nights. the heart. It's the heart. It's the heart talking, OK? It's the heart talking. But anyway, neither here nor there. But. <laughs> this match the stretcher match tw again this is one of those matches that put rvd on the map and it put and it, and what i mean by that is that not only did the fans recognize rvd's potential not only paul Heyman realized that he had a future diamond in the rough in his camp at ecw of course those calls were coming tw and in early 97 he got offers from Eric Bischoff, he got offers from Vince McMahon. And I wanna at least point out in 1997, the first pay-per-view, of course, you know, ECW's very first pay-per-view, RVD was not even scheduled to be on it. And it pissed him off, legit. Not a work or not anything. But of course, he found a way to incorporate that within his business, you could say. Now, in the first pay-per-view he fought, you know, against Lance Storm, he beats him. Not neither here nor there. But what was very important was that he was he brought that uh, animosity that he had towards Paul Heyman into chip. the ring. He brought he brought he had that chip on his shoulder. But of course, ECW is the place where they blurred the lines of reality. TW and it's a work shoot. So in that pro in that promo in 1997, TW the first pay per view of ECW's history. He told the fans, F him, I'm here to make more fucking money. I'm here to take the top dollars like from the anybody. Mets. Of course. And, well, he didn't do this. He <laughs> did this. To
1: see, that's a test to see if big Ray's listening.
2: Of course. Of course he's listening. <laughs> he, the producer has got to listen to this. But anyway, neither here nor there. But again, with that comes one of his first trademarks. Mr. Monday Night and in 1997, he appears on an episode of Monday Night Raw T.W. Now, again, you always say you don't watch the business, but you at least know that ECW is making headways within the world of professional wrestling. And now with the Monday Night Wars going on and somehow in some way ECW and WWF are like not co-promoting, but, you know, that forbidden door, I hate to use that word, is being used in 1997. What say you? Because I marked out so much when I saw RVD I watched that. On. He, didn't he do something off the raw sign? Or was that no,
1: saboo? That was, that was saboo. But they came in like an invasion angle almost. Um, mm-hmm. I remember there was a handful of them. I think Alfonso was blowing the whistle, which that guy doesn't get enough credit. Like, you hear the whistle, you're like, whoa. You know, like mm-hmm. even today, if you ran out on AEW and you heard that whistle, you'd be like, Alfonso, and you would expect RBD and Taz to be followed or Sabu to be following. But no, that was good. And, and and again, this is again this every probably the eight people listen to this. Four of them don't hate Vince, four of them do. But this is this good shows ratio. you good ratio Vince when Vince needed to, Vince did what he had to do. He brought in Smoky Mountain, he brought in NWA wrestling, he brought in ECW. So all these people saying that he's like, yeah, he's, freaking blah, blah, blah. he's done whatever he's had to do and he's still around because of it. Um, they put Evolve on the network. I think they did a Evolve live show on the network, the anniversary mm-hmm. of Evolve, 10 year or 20 year, whatever it was. Um, yeah. So Vince is about making money. And, and again, I, at some point you got to start thinking he's purposely giving AEW talent. I don't, I don't, I don't understand, but he's doing it, whatever. But ECW coming on there, the best part of it was they still said it was ECW and Lawler ripped on it. He was the first one getting in on the angle like, you guys go back to your bingo hall or whatever. So it felt like a work or a shoot, you know, a work shoot or whatever. Um, I think mm-hmm. Lawler did the first thing with ECW. Like he went on their TV. Um, yes. it's, that's exciting stuff. And you know what? Yes, would I pop if AEW came out on Monday Night Raw? Absolutely. At this point, if Raw invaded AEW, I wouldn't be able to tell the difference. I would just think it was Raw. So it would have to be someone like Hangman Page and MJF or whatever. Is that his name? MJF. Mm-hmm. They would have to come out on Raw for it to matter because any WWE guy going on the AEW would just, oh, shit, I didn't know he signed them. You know, and I'm not saying that to be an asshole either. I'm dead serious. But mm-hmm. if AEW walked out on Monday Night Raw and they said those are AEW guys, that would blow the roof. That would that would open new doors. It would make AEW people stop hating Vince. It would make WWE guys aware of AEW fans. You know who don't maybe. Some said mm-hmm. something on Twitter today. He said like, two years is a long enough time that people know who you are now. So basically saying all you people shitting on WWE, they still make more money than AEW they still put more asses in the seas they still do whatever and two years in AEW there's, there's enough time that people should know what it is to start going there too and it, which is almost unfair but I understand this point it's not mm-hmm. two months it's two years into it and you're still not doing Madison Square Garden you're doing the little building next to it or whatever the case may be but well,
2: the, well but to be fair, to be fair uh, they're be doing fair, they're doing the big arena. They're doing Arthur Ashe Stadium, twenty thousand. They did the United Center, United Center in Chicago, twenty thousand there. Right, we're punk. But what well, they do the week here. before United Center, six thousand. Uh, well, either, neither here nor there. No, but they're, they're not,
1: doing not the not bigger bit. If they didn't talk so much shit and if they didn't say they wouldn't sign all the WWE castoffs we, and then sign them all, the, I wouldn't even care. The A I I people already, know. I've already resigned the fact that one of two things is going to happen. I was going to wear my shirt, I was going to wear my hat, I wore him on my Dum dum on an Idiot video last night, and someone popped for him in the comments. I was going to wear my Adam Cole shit. Here's what's going to happen. Sting can't get me into the damn. Christian Cage, a former buddy of mine, can't get me to watch that show. So Adam Cole is either going to get me to finally watch it, or mm-hmm. he'll be dead to me too, and I just, just know when. I just, I feel like when I watch it, it is the same match. I will say this, the last time I watched it, I think it was last week, it was the the first time I watched it after a long time. Every, every segment was a woman, right? Like, it
2: almost felt like, oh, WWE doesn't treat women right. So watch Uh-oh. this. We're wait, 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 wait. I, you know, I'm giddy about RVD. I'm not giddy about talking about AEW right now. So I we have this,
1: to. But my, my to. point is, mm-hmm. my point is, I digress a lot. So do you. Don't act like yes. you don't. My point is. A- or ECW invading Raw, still being called ECW, still acknowledging Paul Heyman and everyone by their actual names. Fun story. When Rhino went to WWE, they wanted to change his name because R-H-I-N-O is copywritten for a lot of shit. And Vince was like, we can't do it. And Heyman looked at him and said, fuck you. Change the I to a Y and call him Rhino with a Y if you have to. But that's Rhino. And he did it. So mm-hmm. again. Call me Vince McMahon Defender if you want. He does listen to people whenever. That's the thing. Hey, nobody listens to nobody. He does. But AEW, ECW coming in there was exciting. And I did watch that.
3: Mm-hmm. And
1: I want to say RVD was one of the ones talking, doing most of the talking, not just Heyman, which blows my mind even more when you're telling me he didn't even get there until 96. Because I thought he was there
2: from day one. No, he wasn't there from day one, but his presence... That's what elevated his presence, and that's why he's that's it. He, he has it. He has that it presence, and because of that ECW invasion, and because of Jerry Lawler coming into the ECW arena, Jerry Law aligned himself with RVD, Sabu, and Bill Alfonso. They were the anti-ECW uh, faction, you could say. And, of course, RVD was wrestling in a Monday Night Raw t-shirt, and that that pissed off a lot of ECW guys, just like <laughs> myself.
0: He did
2: his job lovely. And, you know, we're not going to talk about everything, t- uh, reflection nights, because then we'll be here for five hours, and I don't want to bore you to death. I'm getting giddy just by talking about that. But the maturation of RVD's cool swag, you could say, his I-don't-give-a-fuck swag, now... He's not talking about, you know, I want to be paid by the highest bidder because everything looked like it was settled behind the scenes, CW, whether uh, Paul Heyman uh, found, you know, mortgaged his house for the fourth time to pay (laughs) RVD or he begged Vince McMahon to cut a check for him every week, which he did because RVD was there until the closing of ECW, neither here nor there. But the maturation of, of RVD. And the synergy of RVD, you know, being with Sabu, a a fellow Michiganite, being with Bill Alfonso, it was a great trio there at TW. And, you know, while RVD did all the cool swag talking, I always loved their promos with him, Sabu, and Bill Alfonso because he used to take shots at at Sabu. And Sabu had that look like this, what? What you said about me? What is this? <laughs> he was about to beat the shit out of him. And, of course, Bill Alfonso, the man that calls it down the middle, had to stop Sabu from kicking the shit out of RVD. And with that was a lot of success. Both RVD and Sabu were ECW Tag Team Champions. And, of course, in 1998, he defeated Bam Bam Bigelow in Buffalo, New York, April of 1998, T.W. Ooh, Buffalo to become the ECW World Television Champion. he His taste of singles gold, TW, and this man elevated that title just like an Intercontinental Championship, just like the United States Heavyweight Championship. It was not an NWA Television Championship. It was not a UWF Television Championship. This was the Workman's Championship here at TW, and he held that title for 700 days, beating... Uh, Taz, beating Bam Bam and Bigelow, beating Chris Candido, beating Lance Storm, beating Tommy Dreamer, beating Sandman. The list goes on and on, TW. Fighting champion. He was a fighting champion. And, you know, that that is a funny thing because, you know, while people were pissed at what he said in 1997 about he he's all about the money, we just respected him because of what he did in the ring. You just talked about it. he used he the ropes to cap. He backed up what he was saying. He catapulted himself and, of course, the monikers, Mr. Monday Night and Mr. Pay-Per-View, TW. You know, before we talk about this other match that uh, in ECW lore against Rhino for the World Television Championship, this was in 2000 when he came back after his uh, leg injury because he had to drop the title. What say you about the seven? He, 700- he forfeited it, though, right? He just gave it. Yeah. He he gave it up. He forfeited the title because he couldn't defend it. He injured his leg, so he was out for about five months. But T.W., you know, when people have a a 700-day run, an 800-day run, a 900-day run for a title, any title, that says something, T.W. What say you about a long 700-day reign as an ECW television championship? What does that mean behind the scenes for Paul Heyman? What does that mean for ECW per se? means he
1: means he's gonna deliver and you know it's 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 that belt um the world title when you put a world title on somebody yeah it helps if they can work but it's more if they can draw right Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. that's why guys like brett and sean didn't have it long you know because unfortunately wrestling was on a downspurt right Mm -hmm. um but Perfect example, which we'll talk about later, never mind, I'll wait till we talk about it, but you put the belt on guys for two reasons, world titles. A, to draw, or B, mm-hmm. to shock, right? Like, holy shit, that guy's world champion, which in turn draws, because now people want to turn it on and watch and say, whoa, what the hell did I miss at this guy's champion, Jinder Mahal, you know? Well, again, they wanted to the draw in India, so it was a shock, and didn't he beat Randy Orton, Jinder Mahal? Oh. Yes. Jinder, and then AJ mm-hmm. beat him, so... Mm-hmm. The, but the Intercontinental by, title was the test, but it was also, we know more often than not, who's ever in this match is stealing the show, unless it's Bret defending it against Kamala, you know. But Bret Perfect, Bret Sean, Sean Perfect, you know, any any of those guys, Macho Tito, those guys are workers. They're gonna get the crowd right here. RVD got the crowd right here, whether it's a heel or as a baby. Because it's a baby face, instead of this. You just do this, and they cheer for mm-hmm. you, right? Um right. But the other compliment is being the first match, right? So, again, to put it in modern days, this year's WrestleMania, first one with crowd. Bianca B- Belair and Sasha close it, which was awesome. It's a feel-good moment. It's the main event, night one. But what was the first match? Bobby Lashley versus Drew McIntyre. Because this is going to be the first thing people see live in a year. So Mm -hmm. they put you out there because they trust you. RVD would be that guy for ECW for all of it, either to close the show, use them to open the show, or put that belt on him for two years to make that show, that Ah. belt meet. He made that
2: belt. Yes, he made that belt. And I'll answer your question about where he was on the card as the television champion. He sometimes main evented, Right? The ECW shows with the television title. You know Sometimes it, it eclipsed the heavyweight championship. Watch. You know why? Because nobody wanted to follow him.
3: Mm-hmm. That is the, absolutely the,
2: the, true. The, the, the,
1: the toss-away match in a situation like this, if RBD's first, mm-hmm. is the second match. Because you throw a dud out there. No offense. Two women. Two tag teams mm-hmm. that nobody cares about.
0: Mm-hmm. Because
1: it's like... Or a squash uh, match. Have you ever... Right. Have you ever seen uh, Final Destination the first one? Yeah. The scene where Stifler's mom or Stifler gets killed. Do you remember mm-hmm. it? The train. Vaguely,
2: but uh, yeah. No,
1: no, not the train, not the train. The bus with the girls mm-hmm. walking backwards and then she gets hit by the bus. OK. OK. People legit thought they hit somebody with a bus for real. That's how real that looked. And you mm-hmm. know how they test audiences. Okay. I watched the actual commentary of it. The very next scene is Devin Sawa sitting on his bed, listening to music on a walkie or Walkman has nothing to do with shit. It doesn't lead to anything. It's just there. And then they cut to another scene. Do you know why Mm -hmm. they added that in there? Because when the bus hit, I watched that movie. I was laying on my couch home alone. I watched that girl get hit by the bus. I jumped out of my seat and went, what the fuck? And I rewound it and played it. I'm like, they hit somebody. I'm like, there's a dead human being out there who got hit by this bus. And I'm like, whoa! That movie was one of the very few movies that physically popped me out of my seat from something Mm -hmm. that shocked me. And so in the testing, the very next scene was a lot of dialogue that led to other shit, but the live audiences were so like, what in the hell just happened? They missed it all. So in post-production, they added that scene where he's sitting there with the Walkman, so that people can calm the fuck down, and then they went on to the scene that was originally next, that's Mm -hmm. the second match after an RVD opens the show, and you just throw it on there because no one
2: cares about that second match because they're still talking about RVD versus Sabu. Absolutely, because that's what RVD brought to the table. And certain moves that he did, you know, he, he had to use a chair. So, you know, again, that's what made ECW great. Bill Alfonso holds the chair he did he does the karate kick chop he does the van uh, terminators he did the van damnated tw and of course he is known for the five star frog splash and you know during this television championship reign of course one of his greatest rivalries in ecw my, I, we might have to do an ECW, uh, a great, uh pro wrestling uh, rivalries edition. We might have to do RVD and Jerry Lynn. I don't want you to say anything right now, but that was one of the greatest rivalries in
0: ECW
2: lore, him and Jerry Lynn. They did it in Living Dangerously. They did it in Heat Wave. Uh, I forget. It was not. No, no, it was not Heat Wave. It was Hardcore Heaven, 90, 1999. But... The match we'll talk about is during the dying days of BCW. I usually hate that. But, it, you know, nothing lasts forever, just like NXT. But that's a cheap shot there. But it was for the ECW Television Championship. RVD is trying to regain the title that he never lost against Rhino. So fellow Michiganites are fighting each other, TW. There's that, you know, there's that six degrees of separation, that connection there, you could say, with that Michigan uh, uh, connection there. And, of course, you know, RVD, and Sabu's connection, and of course, Rhino's connection with Christian and Edge and all that stuff. Everybody knows everybody, TW. What say you about this match that I wanted you to watch?
3: I
1: just got a phone call. I had to distract. I just got distracted. I had to tell him I can't talk. Uh, This is the Rhino one? Yes. Yeah. So i watched in this Rhino match, and this is the one where I'm like, I thought to myself, you're asking me how everybody knows everybody. Uh, Rhino made it to ECW before no i think edge was in wwf before rhino got to ecw but it was close yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. um but i i we'll talk about edge in a second but, you know we talk about another match but when i'm watching this match and it looks like an airport hangar but i'm watching them go down the between the seats i'm like those seats look permanent because at first i thought they were just them roll out ones or whatever but mm-hmm. all i kept thinking of and this is starting to go back to what i was saying earlier and i never finished my point where i always every time we talk about this show, I was just like, you know, I wouldn't have wrestled for them. I wouldn't have wrestled for them. The more I watch of it, the more I regret not trying to because it is way more than I thought it was, way more than I ever gave it credit for because, mm-hmm. like I said, I thought everything was the fucking guy laying in the ring in the audience, <laughs> too. I didn't do... You You know what Stranglemania is, right?
2: Heard of it. What is it?
1: Uh, ICP Wrestling. Yeah.
2: Oh, okay. So, Insane Climb Posse. yeah.
1: So when you wrestle for them... The audience is there to see the clowns. They don't give a fuck about match one through 11 if the clowns are match 12, right? And mm-hmm. what they do is just like the shows, they throw Fagel at you. And I was booked to do one, Hellfire Wrestling, they called it. It was at St. Andrews Hall, downtown Detroit. And I know showed it because I was supposed to do a battle royal. I'm like, they won't miss me because I did, I literally thought if I'm in a ring, And some asshole throws fago on me, I'm fist fighting a fan, which is going to lead to me fighting (laughs) 900 fans. And that's what I always thought ECW was. But Mm -hmm. as I'm watching this Rhino match, I'm just sitting there going, you know, I bet it was fun to be at an ECW show. And we were watching the Staboo match. I was at ECW shows. All I thought was, as you've had to have this happen to you, especially there, I like sitting higher up for sporting events so I can see Mm -hmm. everything develop. I really don't like sitting somewhere, concerts or otherwise, where I can't see shit because of all the people in front of me. I feel like being in an audience at ECW would feel that way. There's so much shit going on outside the ring that you're not gonna see it unless they have a titantron or something like that.
3: Mm-hmm. And
1: so when I'm watching this show, Rhino and, and Sabu did stuff in the audience, but not for long. They did spots and they got right back to the, to the ring or near it. And I'm sure there was some kind of fucking TV to at least see something, whatever. But all I thought is, I'll bet a house show like this, If I don't know if it was a house show. I thought it was.
2: No, this was, was on uh, TNN. This was on ECW right. on TNN. Okay. But
1: he was trying to get that belt back.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I just thought, if, if a house show, easy because I don't know if you heard this, I'm sure you have. WWE house shows are 10 times better to go to than a Raw or a SmackDown. And I never understood that until I went to Raw and SmackDown two years ago, Right. Uh-huh. When there's a commercial break, they just sit in the ring and wait for the commercial to come back, which just made my pet peeve of going to a commercial in the middle of a match that much more fucking brutal. However, it wasn't just in the middle of matches. It was Ruby Riot came to the ring, they introduced her, and then they went to commercial. She just had to sit in the corner in the dark for two minutes. Then they introduced the next person coming out, and then went to a commercial again. And they're just sitting in a dark ring, and then they turned the light back on. I think all that's to trigger the fans to like. Yay, the lights are on or whatever. So when you go to a house show, there's none of that. Mm-hmm. It's just wrestling. And then they do shit that they're not going to be allowed to do on TV. Like, I believe it was a house show where Edge won the Intercontinental title from Double J. When Double J just laid there and let him pin him, didn't tell him, and then the next night he lost it back in your house pay-per-view or whatever. Jarrett did that for Edge. Like, hey, what's Vince going to do, fire me? And then the next day he put it back on him. But he did it because it was his hometown of Toronto at a house show. Shit like that ain't going to happen. You ain't losing belts at house shows normally. But I just thought, I'll bet you an ECW house show, no TV, no expectations, it's probably way funner than the TV show. because, But it's 50-50 it's, it,
3: because it people equal. might
1: phone it in. People might May- phone it in for a house show because it's not on TV.
2: It's not a pay-per-view. Well, um, consider- considering the fact here, TW, I've been to an ECW show... I got my family. I got my brother. I got my father into ECW. Fun fact: I'll be a little bit quick here. You know, my brother was a little standoffish about ECW because, of course, you you watch WWF, you watch NWA, AWA, and all that stuff. It's grade prof- It's the it's it's great A wrestling or it's professional maturity. wrestling maturity. Mat- ECW Mat- ECW was the you know the land of oh, the I meant ECW say. was mature audience, meaning smart. No, no, no. I'm talking. I'm talking. No, I'm talking about mature and professionalism. That's what it was. Right. 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 Yeah. 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 We could say immaturity, but neither here nor there. But I got them to go to a show in in New York in, you know, in New York City. And long story short, I I warned my father and I warned my brother. I said, (laughs) we're going to we're going to an ECW show. I said, guys, two rules here. One, expect the restless to come at your way. There's no such thing as a bad seed because the restless somehow, someway find you where you're sitting. And number two, wear old clothes. My brother asked me why wear old clothes. <laughs> cause I said, don't wear new shit cause you're gonna, something's gonna spill on you and you're gonna get pissed and you're gonna fight somebody. So I warned right. them to wear old clothes. So my brother is a little standoffish here. And once we got there, and it was a Tommy Dreamer match. It was Tommy Dreamer, and I remember it was the Harris Brothers and the Pit Bulls. And they came our way, and my brother went crazy because he gave Ron and Don Harris, I kid you not, 20 chairs in a row to beat the shit out of Tommy Dreamer. And all you can hear is, oh, shit! He gave one chair, oh, shit! And by the time he gave the 20th chair, Ron and Don Harris, I don't know if it was Ron or Don Harris, like, Yo, get the fuck out of the way. Let us do our thing. Cause he was trying to continue to give he was taking chairs from other people in the goddamn arena in the goddamn Walls Battalion Hall. But my brother was hooked on ECW. But but well, I'm just trying to give you. I'm just trying to give you that example. We all have fun at ECW. But again, RVD and and Rhino were all over the, the um the the arena or the airport hangar, wherever this was. I think this was in, in Michigan. I'm not too sure, but I I could be wrong here, but it didn't matter. It was a smaller venue, probably about 1,100 people capacity, TW. But like I said, there's no such thing as a bad seat when RVD is there following you around and fighting you. Go ahead. Close it out about this
1: match. That airport hangar was only 1,100 people? Give or take. They don't don't draw like 10,000. See, I'm going to tell you right now, I would love to wrestle in front of that audience. Like, smaller does not mean bad. I love mm-hmm. the NXT audience. I like that AEW audience before they started going to that. I didn't. I didn't like that shit that looked like I was watching Nitro, where the TNT signs are everywhere. But mm-hmm. I like that small, like the MLW crowd. The NWA is a little too small for me, and I feel like the people there aren't necessarily there for wrestling. They're there because they got them to fucking bust down there or whatever. But I like a, 1,100 people. I mean, for me, that was a. That's one of the largest crowds I ever wrestled in front of was it like that, like 1,100, maybe a couple thousand was a bigger one that I did, but I don't don't know. But as long as people are reacting, there's Mm -hmm. nothing better. There's nothing better. And I think, uh, I talked about this before, a lot of the WWE guys don't like the outdoor WrestleManias because the reverb Mm -hmm. goes out. It doesn't come back to them. So when you're wrestling, you feel like the fans aren't reacting because you can't feel it and hear it. Because it's going out of the stadium, whereas when you wrestle indoors, it's fucking vibrating everywhere, blowing the... You know, like, you know, when wrestling comes on and that that opening shot of the crowd and the camera shaking. ECW mm-hmm. had that a lot, probably because the guy doing the camera was on drugs. But, I mean, like a regular wrestling show. That nothing? You don't even pop for that? <laughs> but but this match, I, I watched it a little differently because Rhino is a buddy of mine. There was something that happened in this match that cracked me up. I don't know who did the commentating with... Uh, with um, styles, it was the, the quintessential stud muffin, Joel Gertner. Gert. And he said he was talking politics with Rhino. And I thought it was ironic because he has now twice ran for office in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, and he made the primary. And a lot of reflection. I was going to be mad about this. But he was the Republican on the ticket the Dearborn to be a representative. And he lost to the guy by 1,000 votes. And then he ran for state treasurer down in Monroe, Michigan, down here. Uh, going to Ohio. He's, he owns a marina down there, co-owns it or whatever. But it's funny that they talked about politics and that Gertner was like, the only politics he knows is the politics of pain. But one of the things I watch wrestling for when I watch them make it to TV, like uh, when you watch the indies, especially the more inexperienced guys, if they do, look, it does look fake. Like they're not laying it in. They're not, they're they're mm-hmm. timid and they're looking like they're waiting for the move to come and all that, right? They're Get rid of all that right i I think i told you uh too cold scorpio wrestled on the show with us my name then was too hot tommy wonder it changed to the dream date tommy wonder because i didn't want him to think that i called myself too hot because he was too cold i was smart enough to know that and it was i was like it's not that big nobody knows who the fuck i am so i'll change my name for one night and he Mm -hmm. watched my match and he told me it looked rehearsed and that's true for a lot of indie wrestling and aew wrestling but I watched Rhino in this match with RVD, and everything looked fluid except for one spot. where. And I think, God bless Rhino, it, I don't think it's just him. I think a lot of the guys are guilty of this, where they hold a leg, and then you spin the guy around. Hogan used to do it and give the guy the atomic drop, so there wasn't a lot of choreography to it. Mm-hmm. RVD does like a fucking one arm cartwheel, spins his leg around, and does a spin kick at the end of it. And if you watch Rhino, he's waiting for all of it. Like, he's counting. Boom, 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 boom. All right, here's the bump. You know? But it's it's because of the move. It's not because of him. But I actually liked watching this match. A, because I can't say it enough. I really, really like that audience, that crowd. Um, B, I like that building. It look, Remember SmackDown used to have that that look like an airport hangar for the stage or whatever. It mm-hmm. looked like that, but the whole building was that. And I just like seeing it. And just to top it all off, you said there's about five or six DQs you can remember in history and none of them made sense. This one did. Because... They both used chairs or weapons or whatever, and they didn't get disqualified. But then when P.J. Walker got in there, Justin Credible got in there, at that point you had to disqualify him because it's now not, it's not Rhino doing something to Rhino, or I mean, to RBD. It's well, two guys beating him up, so you can't For EC,
2: For ECW fans, we laugh at the disqualification when they actually right. do it. That's what it is right. for us. No, That's I understand our... that. But my point is, if you can't kick out of the chair, fuck you. This is ECW.
1: But if you get mm-hmm. beat up by two guys in the chair, and you don't get kicked out, it's like, fuck that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, RBD won by DQ. And this eight fans happy because he didn't lose. But he mm-hmm. also didn't get that belt back. They kept it on Rhino. Because everybody probably thought Rhino is losing that belt to RBD tonight.
3: Everybody. Yeah. Everybody um, wanted
1: RBD. It. So it's a dusty finish. It's not a schmoz finish. It's a dusty finish because there was a winner. But he didn't win mm-hmm. his belt. And But it also was setting up the tournament for the tag belts in New York, which I don't know if Justin Credible and Rhino were a team, but you would think so based on
2: the way they talked about it when they were both beating them up. Um, it, I forget where it was, but it was just incredible and Mike Awesome. I, I don't want to bore you with that. Be,
1: before it to be on CNN and not mm-hmm. on a pay-per-view, for it to be Rhino defending the belt and RVD finally getting his shot to get it back into the broken leg, I like the finish because otherwise you're just giving it away. It's like, for modern day, it's like putting the belt on Becky right away at WrestleMania or SummerSlam. I don't like the move. I, mm-hmm. I know... It's not going to hinder Bianca Belair too bad, but it still makes everyone else look inferior when the girl that's been gone for a year and two months comes back and just gets the belt right away. I like how they did it. Like, she double-crossed her, so it's it's mm-hmm. it's heelish. But but RBD, needing to, he needed to chase that belt. Um, Which he did. Not win it on the first night back. Because right. that's not how you Wait. put asses in the seats. Did you right. watch Heels yet? Not yet. Okay, watch the first episode... And the main guy is Arrow.
3: Mm-hmm. He
1: says something in that show. And it says, if we do this, then what's next? And that right there is what most fucking fans don't understand. You cannot, you gotta make, Derek Bentley song, gotta make them want to come back for more. If you give them everything they want in one night, why are they coming back on night two? They're not. They're, of course they're, not. they're having a hangover.
2: So You gotta, you gotta, gotta like, tell the story. That's what it is. Right. You gotta and always I, tell I the like story. The finish. I, I like the finish of that match. I like the match itself. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, for this, again, this is the waning days of ECW. And of course, they closed down in 2001 and people were wondering, what is RVD's next move? Well, because WCW also went out of business. He did make a deal, as people would say, a deal with the devil, Vincent Kennedy McMahon. And he makes his appearance in 2001 under the umbrella of the ECW invasion or the the alliance invasion of wcw and ecw merging into one entity in the summer of 2001 you know people said what could have been what should have been it kind of fell flat but we're not going to talk about that tw what say you because probably you saw more rvd matches in wwe than in ecw and of course one of these matches that we're going to talk about is a ladder match against latino heat eddie Guerrero. So what say you about that? That There's
1: so much to say about it. These two guys, like I, Eddie Guerrero did a lot of high-flying stuff. You know, he's known for the frog splash. He's known for, but this match, he did some crazy shit that he was not necessarily known for, at least for me. And maybe mm-hmm. he did this stuff in ECW because I did not see ECW Eddie Guerrero stuff other than when we've done shows. Um, when he does that senton, off the ladder, he like leapfrogs Mm -hmm. a ladder and does it. It's beautiful. And when he lands, if you look, he covers RVD and he says one of two things. Are you okay? Or Mm -hmm. we need to fucking take a second because that fucking hurt. That's, or both, (laughs) or both. Mm -hmm. because he nailed it. But when he landed on RVD, he rolled and he landed right on his fucking tailbone and his feet. Mm -hmm. He also took a monkey flip from RVD into the ladder that I think, probably was meant for him to land on the ladder and he didn't rotate enough so he landed legs first in between rungs and i mm-hmm. thought man so what this match did for me was in the finish if we can talk about the finish so go ahead you
2: can talk this, about finish.
1: this finish is a testament to eddie guerrero rvd went to do the frog splash off that ladder and the ladder fell and rvd hit the fucking ground like a ton of bricks right just bam and mm-hmm. eddie rolled over and said he probably said, kick me off the top rope is probably what he said. Our Eddie Guerrero had the wear – as soon as he did what he did, I'm like, that's the finish, right? So the finish was supposed to be the frog splash, and then he climbed the ladder. Mm-hmm. Because the ladder botched, I mean, it was immediate. Eddie rolls over and says, blah, 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 crawls to the top rope, and I thought RBD was going to do one of them, run up there and then grab him and belly-to-belly suplex him off of there and then hit the frog splash off the top rope. Nope. He said, kick me, and Eddie took a bump to the floor and landed on the barricade, and then RBD climbed the ladder and won the belt. And I thought, that's all Eddie. Eddie's like, I got to take a bump that makes sense for him to climb the ladder, right? Mm -hmm. Frog splash off the ladder was that bump. Not really a bump, but move. Him taking that kick from the top rope to the floor, and the fact that he knew to do that the second RBD hit the floor from the ladder collapsing, you know rvd was probably embarrassed he was probably humiliated which are the same things but they're different
2: embarrassed is like damn it humiliated means, it's fuck i just want to go home right like, you, you know you just talked about like uh, a final no you talked about final destination yeah. that is you know eddie eddie's wherewithal to to yep. say kick me or you know so he could do that move makes people forget the botch That's right. Made it great. That's that's a great example of that. Because in all honesty, that would have been mm -hmm. a good finish
1: for Eddie to climb the top rope from the ladder collapsing on RVD. And and that's there's a couple botches in this match that because of the style of these two guys, I don't know that they're botches. I don't Mm -hmm. know that he landed in that ladder accidentally the way he landed in there, because I know I've seen a lot of guys do that monkey flip and they land on the ladder and then fall Mm -hmm. off or whatever.
2: But But I'm going to say this so weird let me just say this and then you can go with your point remember i said rvd you know took it to another level because of his size with the thing ladder matches by this point is taking it to another level because it's not you know Shawn michaels against razor uh, razor ramon at wrestlemania 10. it's not the same thing so you got to do and it's not tlc one it's not tlc two so you got to do more insane bullshit off a damn ladder number one number two RVD and Eddie Guerrero are fighting for the Workman's title. And in the 2000s, we actually did a show about the Intercontinental Championship. These two guys, I don't know if they get, you know, maybe it's my fault. I'm not talking about here on the show. I'm just saying the way I look at it, it was like, you know, they had, you know, they're fighting for, you know, like you said, it's a test to see if they're going to be the world heavyweight champion. Eddie Guerrero is an intercontinental champion, and of course he becomes a heavyweight champion in 2004. RVD is always fighting for the intercontinental championship. It's not the same. It wasn't the same thing, T.W. It wasn't, you know. There's why is that? Why? For one, there's 18 more belts. Before yeah, that was it. It was mm-hmm. just that. So
1: belts lost their luster. Three reasons, actually. Secondary reason is belts changed hands like people change underwear. So that also didn't matter anymore. Belts became props. People say uh-huh. they get mad, but they did in the 90s, or late 90s, early 2000s. Um, uh-huh. And then thirdly, they changed the belt. And say what you will about it, when they got rid of that damn Ricky Steamboat, Ultimate Warrior, Randy Savage belt, and came out with that ugly ass belt that every time you see The Rock, it's like, it's hideous. It's mm-hmm. not a good-looking belt. And it almost it almost made it look like they were trying to make it look like the world title, but also like that ugly-ass design of the North American title on uh, NXT, but it was an oval instead of a perfect circle. Just it's mm-hmm. ugly. That belt is not aesthetically pleasing. And the new ones, it's fucking also hideous. Um, but look at that brief moment in time when Cody Rhodes brought that damn belt back right there. Right? mm mm-hmm. People pop for that belt, and I'll guarantee you, some of the people popping that belt have no idea that that belt existed before. They just knew it looked better than that ugly-ass belt that they had at the time. It's just, it's a hideous belt, and I think it made a lot of people not care about it. You know what belt was a pretty belt?
2: The European title. What was it, like, yeah. four champions? Like four people well, there, there up was, and then it got rid of know, it. No, it did change uh, like underwear too, but you know, it was a couple of uh champions. But, but that uh, was a gorgeous belt, and mm-hmm. I actually had more I liked that belt, especially they put it on the
1: bulldog. I'm like, yeah, because I don't think yeah, bulldog won the IC belt from Brett. I'm like, did Brett did Bulldog ever win the IC belt? Duh.
2: But, but look but no, but look at it look at this way, things, mm-hmm. Look at it this way, TW. Eddie Guerrero and R V D are fighting for the Intercontinental Championship. Now forget about the, pre- you know, it is still prestigious. The belt looks ugly, horrible, horrific. I get you. But these are two guys in that fighting for that workman's title, fighting to get tested in Vince McMahon's eyes to say, can you draw me money? And it took time. But 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 this is the, I guess you want to say the glory days of Raw, that these two fight are fighting in a ladder match on Monday night, you know, with, with five million people, four or five million people watching on a monday night that's what's missing so go ahead but, here, but
1: here's the other thing so let's just make it a pay-per-view mm-hmm. you have guerrero versus rvd this is a good problem to have by the way what i'm about to say mm-hmm. you have eddie guerrero versus um that SummerSlam we just did opens up with jim ross telling you four titles will be defended tonight right and three right. Out of the four change hands and that's not all of them that's just that night there was only four but you can have a pay-per-view. We'll just call it WrestleMania or Night of Champions. You're going to have Eddie Guerrero versus RVD for the IC belt. But later on, you're also going to have Benoit versus Booker T for the U.S. title. And then later on, you're going to have Austin versus Rock for the world title. And then later on, you're going to have Kurt Angle versus whatever for the European title. So really, you have four workmen's titles. It's not the world. You know what I mean? Austin. Four main events. Four main events. But four for main But, mm-hmm. but. But three of those, the European, the U.S., and the world, and I don't think a European was around anymore, but I'm using it as a, just an example because there were tag mm-hmm. belts. There was a fucking hardcore belt. There was the mm-hmm. – uh, that probably was it at the time. But two world titles. You had also Randy Orton versus Batista for that world title. So you had so many belts. It really didn't matter who had the belt. It didn't matter who won it. It didn't matter who lost it. What mattered was the match they had. So I think, yes, they're not credited for their – Intercontinental runs, but they're credited for their matches that they had for them because, mm-hmm. again, and they've done it a few times since, at least one more time, Cesaro and uh, Sheamus did it, but Benoit versus Booker T in the best of seven for that U.S. title. I was there on the seventh night. That was at Joe Louis Arena. I believe it was the Survivor Series 05. Benoit broke down crying in Booker T's arms in the back and Booker just hugged him because he did that shit for Eddie, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what I think was a beautiful thing, 06, 07, 05, 04. Those guys, all of them, had the same mentality again, to toot my own horn. They all had the mentality that they were going to steamboat Savage every show that they were on, no matter if it was with each other or mm-hmm. a different buddy. Hey, best of luck to you, Eddie. Tonight I'm working Dean Malenko. We're stealing the show, Eddie. Nah, 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 nah. Me and Saturn are stealing the show tonight, Chris, blah, blah, blah. And they all did. And, and best thing is, you could still have an argument over who stole the show because they all did. It was right. a good problem to have. And then yeah. the main event would be big show versus fucking somebody and it would just be a snoo cane. it would just be a snooze fest, but no one gave a shit because they just watched Eddie versus R V D or Benoit versus Booker. And it was just a good, good time. Like, like we say this a lot. If you I think you're the one that said it to me, if you go back and watch the Attitude Era, it ain't as great as people fucking say it is. It was great I, I in the it. moment, but it ain't great to revisit. Nitro's even worse. So um you know, but if you the go match back quality, and, and the match quality is not there. Benoit, Booker T, RVD, all these guys, man. 05 to 10, Cena coming around. It was good. JBL, even. I'm not a JBL guy, but that guy had good. Him and Eddie, Brock and Eddie, all this. It's just those guys, they were all Ric Flair. How they say Ric Flair could have a good match with anybody. Mm-hmm. I think Brock's gotten better, but he wasn't someone that you would say was winning the damn match of the night back when he started. But you put him in there with Eddie Guerrero, he did. You put JBL right. in there with Eddie Guerrero, he did. You put Cena in there with RVD, he did. You put whatever. Austin and Rock were next level. They're, they're generational stars. They don't count. They didn't need mm-hmm. anybody. They elevated each other, but they didn't even need that. They, just, they were going to elevate whoever they were with, including Absolutely. Kurt Angle. Um, Absolutely. But these guys, RVD among them, the Just the wealth of talent they had in 2000,
2: whatever year he signed, to 2010. And then again, just like everything well, else, wrestling is kind of fucking... Technically, RVD was there from 2001 to 2007. So I'm just go ahead. But I mean, someone took the baton from him. Like 2010,
1: mm-hmm. even even Batista and, uh, and Cena had good stuff. But that's when it starts waning. And,
2: you know, people love... I get you, I get punk you. Punk I just want... I'm just... Seeing... Logistics. Logistics. No, that's I all don't know what
1: I'm saying. Our CM Punk, the, 2000, the the bitching era of CM Punk, <laughs> there, there wasn't that wealth of talent, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of it was because they were all young, upcoming guys and nobody knew who they were. CM Punk included. I did like CM Punk when he started. It's right. just, he became such a bitch. I cannot like him anymore. I, I just can't. And you know what? You Some got your reason, reasons. You got your reasons. Done enough Bret Hart's done enough that I give him the pass. But if Bret Hart bitched like this before he did all that stuff, I don't
2: think I'd be a Bret Hart fan. Some people like say he Michaels. does He does bitch like that.
1: Some yes. people does. Yeah,
2: yeah so. they, they're marks for themselves. Neither neither here nor there, but yeah, RBD dude. wins the Intercontinental Championship here. He, and in, during this time of, two, let's say, 2001 to 2005, he's always mid-card. He's always fighting for the... Intercontinental title. He he was teaming up with Kane as the uh, WWE Raw Tag Team Champions. So he is somewhere on the car, TW. And the fans are loving him. And we are all asking the same thing. Why the, hell is, the- hell is he? We're asking. With X. We're asking why <laughs> the hell he's not the fucking champ. Why is he not the World Heavyweight Champion? Why is he not the WWE Champion? He had his chances with Triple H during the reign of terror. He came up short. But then, I guess, you know, the stars aligned. 2005, he was injured. He, I think he hurt his, he injured his knee. He needed to take some time off. But he actually politicked to Vincent Kennedy McMahon to do ECW One Night Stand. He said, you have at least enough ECW alumnus here that you can actually do a goddamn show. Vince McMahon was res- resident about it. But That's he a- did hesitant, resident, whatever you could say, hesitant, I'll use your word. He was hesitant to do it, but (laughs) like you said, he does listen to people and he's all about the dollar dollar bill, y'all. And it was one of the most successful pay-per-views of that year. And of course, it coincided with the ECW home video documentary, The Rise and Fall of ECW. So Vince McMahon wanted to capitalize again in 2006. RVD would become Mr. Money in the Bank, RVD. And he challenges John Cena for the WWE title. He did not do the, you know, the cash ins like, like CM Punk, the cash ins <laughs> like Edge, Edge multiple times. He said, I wanted, I want you on ECW One Night Stand where I would become, I want to become the WWE champion. Hammerstein Ballroom. This was the one regret that the professor had. I wanted to go, but the tickets were just too expensive for the professor's taste. I did not want to spend 500 bucks on uh, back. Yes, it was five. When I was looking online, it was five. That
1: makes an eighty-dollar
2: pay-per-view seem affordable. Yes, it, that's why I, I bought it on pay-per-view. <laughs> but the ambiance was there. The the signs were there. If Cena wins, we riot. We were all pro RVD, and again, and this was the match. Not only my favorite ECW guy, you know, my Mount Rushmore of ECW, but this was the match that made me start liking John Cena because he took it like a champ. He took and it was huge. He was heelish. He took everything. He took all the stuff. And that's where the professor said, I respect John Cena. What say you about this match and all the ambiance, including Edge making an you know, appearance? It's, it's funny because I think Edge doing that ruined it. But that's
1: a whole nother story. Um, I agree but, with you.
0: But it, it, Edge for taking story his
1: helmet off. He's got the soccer mom and that arena. Chanted, Thank you, Edge. Thank you, Edge. So I think people there were happy he did it. And mm-hmm. if that's how RVD's got to win the belt, I would take it that way versus him being the opportunist and coming out with the briefcase after someone just dismantled the guy. Um, mm-hmm. But I would say um, Cena, almost his body language, and again, this is all clips. I didn't watch the match, I watched the one you sent me. It was all clips. He almost seemed mad, but I think it was on purpose. It was like, fuck this crowd for not cheering for me, because every other crowd does. It's almost a miniature Bret Hart cheered in Canada, booed in the U.S. kind of thing. But mm-hmm. he also wrestled heelish. He gave him the attitude adjustment from the ring to the floor, right?
3: right.
1: which was probably RVD's a- idea. Um, it was a- kind of a sad bump. It would have been better if there was a table there or something, especially for ECW purposes. Um, mm-hmm. And what did ruin it for me in the end was after the finish... Which RVD was like, fuck. and the crowd's like, do it, do it, which was brilliant, by the way. Because if he just did it, then you're not really checking to see if the audience is okay with it, right? The audience is like, do it, do it. Does the frog splash, seen the laser like he's dead from it, sells it to hell. And then that's when the ECW guys came out to celebrate him while he went in the audience to find his wife, who they put in a nosebleeds for some reason. And the ECW guys were big showing Kurt Angle. And I thought, man, I was <laughs> like. That is you
2: not know. ECW, guys. That mm-hmm. is, it. You know, we try to give it a pass because you know this was the time that they announced that ECW was going to be on Sci-Fi. There was so much potential, but of course we don't. I don't want to talk about that because then you're going to bring the professor down. But <laughs> I get you. You know, we didn't care how he won it. Even with Paul Heyman counting the three, we just wanted him to get the hand raised and get that belt, and then we would celebrate. We were just he's celebrating. Champion.
1: You can't say that he's...
2: I, I did think this. Between Edge hitting the helmet and Paul
1: E. counting it, I fully expected on Raw them to put the belt back on Cena. Like, it never happened.
2: Like, they did Jericho. And mm-hmm. when they didn't do that, I think he lost it really fast. Um, no, you know Edge? what? No, wait, yeah, he lost it to Edge. But they had a plan for RVD, but unfortunately, RVD's... High High Times Man of the Year for from 2002 to 2021. Every year, he's at least top three in the High Times Man of the Year. In this one particular 2006 July, he it was a traffic stop. There was weed in the car. He was with Sabu. And everything changed to shit. And yeah. that's, that's when the downfall of RVD happened. He lost the uh, WWE title to Edge. He lost the ECW title to Big Show. And then... Basically, you know, he was. No. I, I guess he was blackballed, and people just was like, even when I like, "Damn, man, it was just weed, man. It was just weed." But he was with Sabu. He Iron Sheik dug into it. You can't do that. Yeah, but they weren't. We knew that they were friends. We knew that right. they were cohorts. So it wasn't like they were having a program with each other. It was I think. The same thing. I
1: think that was just because because the word on the street always was, and I don't know if he posed on the cover of the magazine with the WWE belt. But Vince was furious that he was on the cover of High Times Magazine as champion. Like, that's oh. not what we do here. You didn't know that? I didn't know. I don't keep up with the High Times. Right stuff. after I, he won the belt, all, he was on I'm the strange. cover. Of high Times, I'm straight edge. Right. Yeah, he was on the cover of High Times Magazine. And I almost want to say with the belt, the spinning belt. And mm-hmm. Vince was like, nope, that ain't what we do here. But probably didn't, um, you know, strip him right then. And then that traffic stop was, there you go. Now no one can complain about it. And now you Scooby-Doo 12 years later. And what happens is the Uso gets his 57 drunk driving and is still tag team champion. It's weird how they pick and choose.
2: Well, if his last name was Anoya, just like uh, Jimmy Uso is, and he's part of that Samoan tribal dynasty. Who was the other guy that got in some trouble and they didn't? uh, Oh, Jake.
1: Whatever the fuck his name is, Swagger Jake Jack
2: Robin. Swagger. Oh, Jack Swagger. Jack Swagger
1: got the drunk driving as a heavyweight champion, lost the belt on Raw the next night, but never got well, suspended.
2: Well, again, you know, if you're if you're a Vince man, you probably get a slap on the wrist. If you're part of a you know a prestigious uh, wrestling dynasty of a family, you'll get the slap on the wrist. But RVD had neither, so he had yeah, to lose hey, the title. needed a Swagger. Yeah, and in 2007, he he did not want to. Re- you know, it wasn't one of those things, you know, back in 2007, there was no AEW. TNA was not in its, uh, it, it wasn't there just yet to, for RBD to say, you know, let me make a move yet. Even though TNA was on Spike TV. So he uh, took some time off to do the Cody Rhodes thing. He went on the indie circuit. He went to Mexico. He was in Triple Mania. And then in 2000. 2000- some movies too? He probably did. He probably did one of those uh, B-, B movies, but. Cinemax. From 2007 to 2010, he did it his way, and he's always, you know, that's the way he is. And he's he's not apologetic for it. So he did Triple Mania. He did the indie circuit. He does. He did like PWG and all that stuff. He didn't do ROH, which he should have done because it would have been. There were huge. he could have he would have been huge if RVD went against <clears throat> Brian Danielson or Samoa Joe and all that. Even <laughs> see even before not not seeing Punk because he left, but Brian Danielson, Nigel McGuinness cabana and all that stuff yeah he could have done that stuff it would have been good stuff it would have been good television for roh it would have been the rub that he needed that that they needed but
3: yeah
2: Yeah. but in 2010 impact wrestling was trying to make a move they were moving to monday nights they had hulk hogan dixie carter they needed some star power and they gave a boatload of money to mr monday night rvd so they re you know it reincarnated the mr monday night gimmick And in 2010, you know, one of your uh, pet peeves of Impact Wrestling is they sign a former WWE guy, and he's heavyweight champion within the first month. And within the first month, he becomes the TNA heavyweight champion of the world against AJ Styles. The streamers come down. Hulk Hogan presents him the title. Now, you already know that RVD and AJ Styles is going to be a five-star classic because you know that AJ Styles adapts with his style. It was almost like RVD fighting, looking in the mirror, fighting himself because AJ Styles went hold for hold, move for move, aerial for aerial, TW. So you don't have to say anything about the match, but, you know, these two styles are clashing. This is a dream match, and we got it on Spike TV on a Monday night. What say you, TW, about your two favorite guys?
1: And that's back when I did not like AJ Styles. I actually did not like AJ Styles until he came to the WWE. And not because, mm-hmm. you know, not because he shit on I just didn't like he just seemed like a punk, right? Like mm-hmm. no offense, no, no pun intended, CM Punk. But he just seemed like, I don't know, just he just didn't look like a star to me. And maybe it was growing his hair out, the little Kevin Nash beard. But I think when he went to Japan, I think he something he found something that next gear. Because before mm-hmm. he was just a spot monkey. If we're being honest, that's what he was. One of the worst angles ever was that chick. Where he supposedly got her pregnant, and she was on WWE right. for a week. Uh, so I didn't like any of that stuff. So really, is the way they used them. Um, him with Bobby Roode. It wasn't a big Bobby Roode guy. Loved him on NXT. And but AJ, like he just—you just said it best. He adapts to whoever he's with. He's, he always looks like he's having fun in there. And he did even an impact, but it was his promos weren't good. And I, you know what? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I apologize if any of the 12 of you were from the South. People from the South sound dumb to me. They don't, they don't sound intelligent when they talk, right? Um, So he always just sounded like, golly gee, Molly, you know, when he talked on, he still sounds like that now. He has the twang, I I hear the twang, yes. it's funny, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Luke Bryan sounds like an idiot to me when he talks. come shake it for me, country girl. But anyways, (laughs) AJ Styles, and you know, I'll admit it for the people you covered for me by saying we don't have to talk about the match, it's the one I didn't watch because I ran out of time. But it's probably the one I probably would enjoy the most. but I, I just didn't get a chance to watch it. And I figured, uh eh, if I got to cut one, I should cut the one that's only 11 years ago because Travis would be upset. Not that he listens. But um, by the way, I'm going he to should. see Travis in three weeks. In three weeks, I'm going to see Travis. And in September, you're going to do a show without me unless I do it from location from North Dakota, uh, mm-hmm. September 21st. But uh, he's going to make me watch AEW, I think. But anyways, um, I, I just... RVD, it's funny because you just said something, right? Um, I didn't like that Impact did Monday nights. I didn't like that they did it with Hogan and Bischoff and and probably Kevin Nash. And It felt like Halloween Havoc Warrior Hogan 2. We all knew it wasn't going to be as good as the first one, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I will say it a million times, I hate that six-sided ring. I think they got rid of it for this. Yeah. Um, it, it was, was just was a regular four-sided. ring. Mm-hmm. But RBD is the one guy, that guy could show up on AEW and I wouldn't be mad at him. That guy goes where people pay him, and for some reason he hasn't gone to AEW. He has done Impact stuff, and I think he came back to the Royal Rumble or something recently. He came Plus back. The he came
3: fame,
1: back he the
2: came to the Royal. He came back to the Royal Rumble in 2013 or 14. Went back to Impact Wrestling in 2019. I mean, recently,
1: recently, no, he, he, got, he got inducted yeah. to the Hall of Fame the Hall of, of, of fame, the WWE. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah,
2: but I think he's
1: a. I think he's grateful to Vince, and I think that's probably why he hasn't been. On he, like I don't think Vince is mad at anybody doing impact. I think I don't think he's mad at anybody doing anything because he's letting guys go to AEW. But I just mm-hmm. think I think RVD is probably, you know, you asked me to talk about him before we went live here. Him and I never crossed paths. Like I started in 94, I did a lot of shows with a lot of ECW guys on him, but R V D was never one of them. Makes sense now because he was WCW and he didn't do the uh ECW till 96. And by 96, ECW guys weren't doing the indies in Detroit no more, they were probably struggling to keep afloat and then did WWF stuff. So they didn't, mm-hmm. you know, we didn't see Taz and Paul Lee, but I saw I wrestled on shows Paul Lee were on them, Taz, Sabu, Tommy Dreamer. They were on there at least one of them, most of the time, two or three of them, because the match would be Sabu versus Taz or Tommy Dreamer versus Taz. But RBD. It's just such a likable guy that I don't think he, like every time he's left Impact, it's been on good terms. I know that from knowing people at Impact. He doesn't mm-hmm. burn bridges. He just, for being a guy that burns a lot of other stuff, he doesn't burn bridges. Uh, he, I think he accepts when he messes up. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like he messed up in that traffic stop. I don't think he thought anything wrong with posing for High Times Magazine since he did it a million times. But I bet you when they told him, uh, dude, Vince don't want the WWE champion on the cover. That man, he's probably like, oh, yeah, because he's almost like a little kid. And I don't mean that like undeveloped mentally. I just mean like he's like me, never grow
2: he's, up. He's You're young at heart. He's always young until I
1: die, right? Yeah, and. He's just such a likable guy. I don't know anybody that's ever had a bad thing to say about him. So I, yeah. I just think he leaves doors open. He does. He's the opposite of CM Punk. He doesn't burn bridges. He doesn't lock mm-hmm. doors behind him. He leaves everything open and leaves on good terms every time. And I but I you think know he's where like but Jericho.
2: You, but you know where he stands. Whether right. his, whether you agree with his views right. or he not, you say know yes
1: what he's. Yeah, he will tell you. I don't like that. I don't like that. I'm not doing that. I want to do this. I want to do that. Mm-hmm. So you know, and I like you said something early on when we first started that Bill Watts soured him on WCW by not letting him call himself Rob Van Dam, and and I get it. That seems like something Vince would do. So for Vince to let him do it, and Bill Watts wouldn't, yeah, mm-hmm. which one sounds like a fucking dummy? Bill Watts, sir, you can't be called R.V.D. down here, boy. What are you talking about? But anyways, um, I again, I apologize to the, the two of you that are from the South. But uh, nice people, though. The South are very, very nice. They just don't mm-hmm. sound very smart. But anyways, I just think R.V.D. is like Jericho. And Jericho, he does a lot of promoting AEW without burying WWE. And that's what I like about him. And that's the difference. It's subtle because... You know all the people that give me shit for not being a fan of AEW because I don't like Cody doing the sledgehammer to the throne. I don't like all that stuff. It's sour grapes. It's bitterness. It's it's whiny. Jericho just says nice things about AEW. He says we're the hottest wrestling company, and which yes is a knock at WWE, but it's not. It's it's saying we're better right now, right? So, but he gave Vince McMahon a chance to match. AEW's offer and I think RVD would do the same thing. I think mm-hmm. he's grateful and I think Jericho's grateful and I don't think he's going to lose the MJF and go to the Royal Rumble like everyone's thinking because he signed a three-year deal, not a two-year deal. Yeah, he, and so he, He's not going anywhere.
2: No. He's not going anywhere and right so, now. But
1: well, I just think R V D like the whole time, you probably see me on my phone every time we do this show. But I don't have an R V D figure. So I've been researching trying to find me one because he needs to be in my hall of fame and my wall of
2: fame. So I'm gonna hopefully, since he's in the hall of fame, they're gonna make new figures of him. Um but for, he just for, for the Magnificent Seven, the Elite Eight, the 99, for any reflection night on the YouTubes, if you have something. Just leave a comment on the YouTube link that we do on the PWSL networks. If you have an RVD for TW here, just leave it there, and I will let him know it. I don't know if he watches. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you watch our shows on the YouTube link, but I'm just gonna let you know they they been asking about you. They want your uh, they want your wrestling uh, comments. Yes, there's comments there's... on there. I will them out. I didn't even know there's... we were on YouTube. Yes, we're on the PWS of the next one. And with that being said, let me let me just close this out. RVD right now is a WWE Hall of Famer. He is married to well, I think he is married now to his second wife, Katie Forbes, the the one with the big ass, and she moves around. And RVD is oh, Eli. the girl from from Impact. From yeah. The hot tub. Oh, Yes. Good for him. Well, <laughs> it, it, yeah, it, from the hot tub. I don't. She is allowing him to be RVD unapologetic yeah. loving yeah. more women than he can handle but anyway neither here nor there again i'm not judging that's he's just living his life yolo style you only live once and he is never, happy. Never grow he is up, happy just like you said and with that being said i could do this for another three hours tw but we got we got you work. Know what
1: we need to start doing what's that and i don't know if ray does this or not so if he does i always find our twitter links and retweet them you know when when ray does our show or a track does it for sometimes too Mm-hmm. We need to start tagging the guys we talk about just to see. Today, I responded to Bret Hart's Instagram post. and mm-hmm. liked it. He liked my response. Most guys don't do that. Uh, he's going into business with a rum company. And I said, dude, rum is my lo- love language. I can't wait. So, But anyways, when we do this show live, we need to retweet it and at RBD. So maybe he'll listen to this. Uh,
2: I will always I'm do sure that. I'm
1: sure he's got plenty of people praising him, but... You know, as a guy who was in the business, as a guy who wanted to be a referee and you in the business, we both appreciate RVD. And and that's a good thing because there's not a lot. And again, I hate that I got to bring him up again. But he's the anti CM Punk. CM Punk is polarizing. RVD is not there. Everyone likes RVD because he's Mm -hmm. very, very likable. And so I just I just think it's cool that we did this. And it was your idea. And then go ahead. I cut you off.
2: That's okay. And with that being said, we we come to a close of the pro wrestling spotlight. Like I said, I could have done this for five hours, but I don't want to bore you all to death because I'm too giddy. I probably could do it, but I just don't. I, we got work to do tomorrow. We got bills to pay. We got other things to do. TW's got stuff grinder dates, tonight. stuff nah. to watch, you know, and, and the professor's got boners to do, again, with some female videos, but and, and neither here nor there. But TW, give out those so, – well, before you give out the socials, Next week I know what we're going to do. I had it in my okay. head. We're going back to the movies and we're not going to do one feature. We're going to do a double feature. We're going to do two. We're going to watch two episodes of Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling cartoons because they're only 20 Solid. minutes. So we're going to talk about two episodes of Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling and we're going to talk about it. You know, you got to pay attention. You got to take notes because these are these are cartoons that make you think. But we're gonna talk and celebrate Hulk Hogan's rock and wrestling from 1985. So, TW, give out those social media platforms that we are on.
1: All right. So, our show is on Twitter at PW Reflection. Um, Big Ray, we can't do this without him at Big Ray Hernandez. My political one, I've been I've been firing it up because this country is in a fucking bad place. So, at Tommy Wonder 19 or my more social. Uh, hashtag
2: Taliban Hashtag China's number one Go ahead hashtag, like, Biden bucks and Trump change
1: um, mm-hmm. And then there's also Tommy one, the to- At the Tommy Wonders The one I do pop culture stuff Snapchat is at number wonder I've been growing that Because in case anybody hasn't noticed My facebook.com backslash Tommy Wonder I got 14 more days on a 30 day ban On that bad boy Seven mm-hmm. by the time you hear this um, And our good man JB who Who is MIA uh, at the P1JB, uh, my YouTube channel, Dum Dum Duel and an Idiot. We've actually been picking up the pace. We just joined the Extreme Team. Uh, it's a group of YouTubers who do stupid things like the Dum Dum Duel and an Idiot. We did mm-hmm. the Russian Roulette challenge last night. I may or may not have finally thrown up from a challenge. So, Olivia, out. we did the hot chip, I almost threw up live on camera for that one. Um, and so we got the dirty dozen donut hole challenge we got a poutine challenge coming up um so apparently and by the way my taste buds right now from doing a two-ounce shot of tabasco sauce everything still tastes like shit 24 hours later so Mm -hmm. dum-dum do an idiot and then of course our hosts our gracious host big Vito, and his is big and also patreon.com backslash the
2: big veto brand and for me, you can find me on my Twitter. I haven't been suspended yet, but sometimes I get shadow banned for about three hours because I do some other stuff against the rules. I don't know why, but... The DMs. Even, no, it's not the DMs. It's the hashtags, but neither here nor there. It's P-W-S-O-P-R-O-F. That's P-W-S-O-P-R-O-F. I know. I had that same face, too, when they shadow banned I, me for about three I hours. I can't
1: believe Twitter. I take yes. the gloves off, and I
2: go at people,
1: right? Mm-hmm. I've never been banned by Twitter. I think one time I got a warning for something. That's it. I don't even no, know what I, shadow banning
2: is. I, I shadow ban- because they kind of level off your your Twitter. They keep keep it invisible to everybody else. Wow. Yeah. And it's because you, you have to, too many hashtags, or because what? You wrote I guess. Uh, no, too many hashtags. They be like, well, I don't know what it is. I forget the rules is, but I don't do it a lot. That's why I'm not on Twitter a lot. But it, it's wow. it's, a, it's such a dumb rule. But Pw hustle P R O F that Pw hustle prof, and of course, find this tw on the Pw hustle YouTube page, where you know I'm gonna like oh, this right now. I think I like it because I got an
1: alert on my phone saying new thing from Pw hustle. But I thought yeah. it was podcast. I didn't think it was.
2: Uh, no, it is it is the YouTube page where we do you know where we do this where we have the eight track reactions. So again, follow my brothers in arms. Uh, Billy Ray Valentine, the Infinite Fringe himself. He has the documents from Afghanistan. He has the documents of the parties that Trump and Biden are celebrating and saying every American is, is sheeple and are stupid, just like the Southern people, at Obi-Wan You Know Me. And of course, the King of the Reactions, 8-Track Brown at 8-Track Nastily. Next week, we're going back to the movie's double feature, Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling. And for that, I'm the Professor. That's the Iron Stomach one. Mr. Wonderful himself, TW, Tommy Wonder saying goodnight and see you next week. And in the tradition of RVD, let's do the RVD goodbye, TW.
0: Mr. Monday night.
2: R-V-D. R- B- D.
1: Why'd you do it like your Tourette's? That was a terrible sink. <laughs> it was e-
2: either way. You know by yourself. I'll just point at you outsider style. Go ahead. R-V-D. B- Good night, Reflection Knights. We'll see you next week as we go back to the movies.